Hi, y'all. Welcome to our fireside chat here during the FreightWaves uh, Venture Tech Summit. Uh, I'm Ryan Schreiber, co-founder and uh, current advisor of Kinetic, and I'm also the director of engagement for, for Carrier Direct. Uh, I see under the hood of a lot of companies, and I'm really, really excited to welcome my friend uh, and one of the smartest people I know in freight or really anywhere, Anshu Prasad. Uh, Anshu's the founder and CEO of Leaf Logistics, and, and he's here to talk about his funding journey. Uh, Anshu, thanks for jumping on with me. Hey, Ryan. It's great to talk to you about this. Yeah, looking forward to the conversation for sure. Uh, I'm sure I'm excited to learn uh, a lot of this stuff from from you. And uh, this venture summit's all about funding. So why don't you go ahead and give us the pitch on Leaf Logistics, you know, and and, and why we should invest in your company? Yeah, sure. Hey, look, um, I've been working in this space for twenty odd years. A lot of folks at Leaf have, and what we've learned in that time is transportation is a network coordination problem much more than it should be a competition problem. And coordinating networks to drive utilization for carriers, to drive better service and lower cost for shippers is potentially a game-changing way to kind of look at this industry. And so we really, we focused on building LEAF here to try to get a sense of what's happening market-wide, not for one shipper and their handful of carrier partners, but what happens when you start looking at the map? Can you start coordinating between shippers, between providers? to unlock all that hidden capacity, take empty miles out, and solve the problem for both buyers and sellers. Uh, that's great, Anshu. I think the thing that uh, really has me ready to send over a term sheet right now is the idea that you're able to get savings from the shipper without taking out of the pockets of the carrier. Really, you're able to kind of create that collective surplus that we all like uh, to, you know, to see, and, and really you're solving a big problem there. So on the idea of, of raising, you started, uh, you started in 2017, you closed the seed round, uh, earlier this year, you closed an A round. I, I think the hardest thing for most people, uh, you know, in terms of funding or really in terms of getting their business started is where to start. Um, where'd you start? How'd you go from $0 to $1 to enough to make LEAF a reality? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a critical question. And one of the things that, frankly, I asked myself before I quit my previous partnership and I was in consulting, kind of working for a while, you know, pretty happy doing that. Before starting the company, I had really two questions. One was, would I be able to attract the set of initial customers to come build a business around? Could they see sort of the end's vision and did it line up to how they thought about their business, where they wanted to take their business? Because in the end, if you're not solving a sustainable, you know, you're providing a sustainable solution to a problem the customer feels, this is all cute, but it doesn't last, right? And the second one was, you don't build a company by yourself. No matter how fun and interesting this is for you personally, you need to bring people together to solve a problem that, frankly, they're going to be better at solving parts of than I am. So those were the two tests that I had for myself. I went out and talked to a bunch of people that, because I've been working in the space for a while, I knew were much smarter about the problem than I was. Both customers and people that had sort of those superpowers that venture capitalists talk about that I knew I didn't. And, yeah. and both uh, of those converse, those sets of those conversations proved out to be really encouraging. Not only did people who could be could be our early customers kind of say, hey, you know what, I'd love to go on this journey with you. People were like, you know what, I'm going to quit my job and come work on this if we could get some you know legs under us. And and those things were wind in my sails. So that was really what I needed to say. You know what, this is a journey I want to be on. And, and honestly, I kind of made a personal pact with myself and my family to say, look, this is what I'm going to spend the next many years of my life, maybe 10 years of my life doing, right? Otherwise, you're not really jumping in the deep end, right? And and that was really important. If I was going to make this sort of promise to my friends to quit their jobs and come work with me, it had to be for real. 
I think you bring up a really great point there about uh, that I think is lost a lot of times around that nobody builds the business by themselves. No man is an island, as Paul Simon would say, right? And and there's always this talk about finding good partners. And good partners means good people to build the business with. And that's where people tend to, to focus. There's also talk about, you know, what you talked about there, finding good partners as advisors, finding good partners as as customers. And in your sense, that means both, you know, shippers, BCOs, and also logistics providers and carriers. Um, but then there's also finding good partners in funding, right? And and you you certainly have a good one with Ted and the crew over there at Dynamo as one of your one of your crop. Um, when you've considered partnering with a fund, like what's maybe one mistake that you made or something that you wish you could go back to 2017 and tell yourself to to consider differently? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I had the benefit of of talking to friends who'd kind of gone through venture scaling before. And frankly, I'd had the benefit of trying to bootstrap businesses myself before, right? And so uh, one thing that I had to kind of come to terms with was, were we building sort of a small business that could be grown on the backs of the, the business you did one year, you built for the next year? Or did it make sense to venture scale? And honestly, as many blogs as I read, I, I didn't, you know, answer my fundamental questions until I talked to people who kind of lived through those trade-offs themselves. Um, you know, the thing that um, I would encourage everyone to, to think about is, um, you know, there's a lot to learn and people have been through this themselves. And, and it might not be just because they have more or less experience than you on this particular set of questions, they may know a ton more because they've struggled through it personally. And those folks are more than willing because it was probably a lonely exercise for them to go through it themselves to share what they learned. And, and I found people's generosity being tremendously valuable to me. So the thing that I, I latched on to very early on was pick the partner and then the firm, right? So from a venture fund standpoint, people like Ted and Barry at Dynamo were incredibly helpful as humans, not just because Dynamo is yeah. a great firm and is ready to do anything they can to help you, uh, but because they really cared, um, because they've kind of been through a little bit of this lonely yeah. journey themselves in the past, right? So I think it's find the person and, uh, and figure out if there's like a uh, an actual mutual connection there where they feel your problem and they want to jump in the boat with you. And, you know, the firm kind of comes with it as opposed to the other way around. I think that's a really incredible point. I, I, there, there's so much, you know, in our prep work, we were talking about the concept of your network being your net worth. And one of the missed connections there for most people is, oh, well, I have the network to call in favors. And, and really what it means is I have the network to learn from and build those natural connections and give value to folks and, and get that value in return without even having to ask for it because I've created this um, because I've created this ecosystem for myself to learn from. I think that's a really, really, really important point, which which kind of leads into naturally, you know, anyone who's raised money, a lot of times they can end up chasing their tail when they go out for advice, right? And especially in every conversation with with, with a funding source, a lot of times it can turn into, especially if you don't have those really deep connections, right? Where it comes across like you're trying to, get money from them as opposed to learn from them. It can turn into call me, you know, call me when you get to X, right? Call me when you get to 10 million ARR, you've got another logo or whatever. And then, and then you come back and we, oh, I've got 10 million ARR. Okay. Well, it's only from four logos. There, there's always that, 
gambit or that game. And a lot of advice that I give to startups is, is, is ignore that and focus on building the best business that you can. But aren't you like looking back at your rounds, you know, what do you think made the difference uh, to really focus on from getting a term sheet so that you didn't get distracted by some of that, those, those other like pieces of advice that might've pulled you in the wrong direction? Yeah. I mean, I think a couple of great points that you raised in there, Ryan, that totally resonated with me. I mean, um, I think part of it was, um, just the humility to kind of understand that there was that much to learn. Right. And, and, um, these, these folks that I was reaching out to superstars and experts in their field were also humble enough about what they knew, but what they didn't know to kind of engage in genuinely, uh, an intellectually curious conversation about, is there something here? Right. Um, and, and getting to that mutual, um, excitement level, that alignment around, Hey, this is something I think I could really help you guys with. Um, was a bit of a discovery process. So I think the one thing I'd say is um, this is about a personal growth and learning journey for, for me and pretty much everyone on the team. Yeah. And that is a divining line, right? There's lots of great folks who are, you know, are not really the great fit for this early stage of our company building um, because they, they don't share that sort of like burning desire to go learn more today than you knew yesterday. Um, right. But then also then extends to the investors we partnered with. Um, and, um, you know, look, I, I think that a lot of folks will, will tell you, go and ask for advice and you might get money. But if you go ask for money, you'll probably get advice, like what you were yeah. alluding to before. Um, but, you know, I think for both the rounds that we raised, we built relationships to try to understand who the best partners would be, who really kind of had more or less of a sense of what we were trying to do over time and how they could help before it was time to ask them for money. And that right. helped a lot. That that helped us to kind of get a lot more comfortable. And frankly, one of the things that you also alluded to, one of the questions I've gotten, you know, learned and gotten smarter about asking now is, do you already have like a stopwatch out or a, a yardstick that you measure by? Because I'm living and bleeding this business on a day-to-day -day basis, and I don't know what to measure, you know, right. two, three years out. If, if you already have a metric in mind, I'd love to understand why, because I'm curious, but maybe, maybe you're not working the problem as hard as I am, right? So I think this sort of false precision around a future outcome, and if you just hit this hurdle, life takes care of itself, we don't know. We're gonna work this problem together is really probably the common theme with the partners that are on our cap table versus a lot of folks that had opinions but didn't end up partnering with us. I think one of the things that you talked about, you know, with me before uh, is, is the idea that the right partner or the best partner uh, is really one who has curiosity like you talked about, right? One of our first, you know, uh, you've heard me say this before, certainly, but one of my favorite uh, uh, lines in some way that I describe myself is an Einstein quote. I have no particular skills. I'm just passionately curious. And and then, and then the way that that maps to, uh, to a partnership uh, with, with potential funding um, is somebody who is looking to you to work collaboratively because they're passionately curious about the problem that you're trying to solve. They're not telling you they know how to solve it because if they did, they probably would have already solved it with someone else, right? And I think that's, I think that's really important. Anshu, everyone talks about how old school our industry is, and I really kind of mm -hmm. want to tackle this, right, and hesitant to change. Because my observation is that that brings with it extra scrutiny to companies that raise outside capital, like that they're soft, that, that it's all about free lunches and snacks for engineers or, or having some unfair advantage, you know, to underprice the market because they don't have to focus on, on profit. 
And, and I think what's lost in that is that some problems are really, really difficult to solve. And it requires having money to invest in the solution, not underpricing the market, not buying contracts or whatever it is, right? But really um, raising money like enables you to invest in solving a problem. What I, I, I'm passionate about educating folks on this. What's something that raising money has enabled your company to do to move the industry forward that maybe you wouldn't have been able to if you had to bootstrap? So I'll make two quick points there, Ryan. But the first thing I want to kind of address is I don't think this is an old school stodgy industry. I think this is a serious industry. There's a lot of people who get up every day and work this problem super hard. Yeah. And I think we have to have a lot of respect for the work that goes into making our supply chains and our transportation network actually work. It's hard. Uh, and, and a lot of smart people work this problem and have done so for a long period of time. So I think to be, you know, hey, old school stodgy industry that just, you know, needs to be disrupted. I mean, honestly, you're kidding yourself, right? This, I mean, we've, we've had the good fortune. I've had the good fortune of working with tremendous people over the last 20 odd years of my career in the space. You have to respect the problem that's being solved for, the complexity yeah. of it, to your point, but also, you know, that there's a lot of thinking that needs to be folded in to do this right. And so the two things I'd say is one is no matter how much money you've raised, you have to build a sustainable business. That's not like a, a you know, uh, just a hobby you have on the side. You, if you don't build a sustainable business, all the money that your investors have lent to you is kind of like taking out, I would say, it's like taking out a bigger mortgage, right? I mean, if you can't pay back that it, the trust your investors placed in you, it's, it's not really a business, right? So um, we always think very hard about figuring out something that can be sustained and has, you know, sustained value for our customers. Otherwise it doesn't, you know, you don't gain the permission to, to play over the long term. But I think the, um, the idea of building and investing, it's been really important for us in, in this, this year in particular, right? So this was not a year as, as we got into Q2, it was clear. You weren't going to go knock on a bunch of doors and start selling them stuff. People were busy. They were busier right. than ever. They were busy to begin with. And so what we focused on and what investment and, and having the capital allowed us to do was build. We knew that there were certain problems we had seen in the first couple of years of being out in the market that needed technological solutions that if built, you could apply 10,000 times, you know, yeah. repeatedly. And while everyone was really busy and kind of just getting through the day, honestly, many of our customers had that reality day to day, we were able to take money we you know, gotten from our investors and just focused on building. We hope, I hope that that kind of pays off in terms of building the, the future set of products that, um, that allow us and leaf to be really, really helpful to our customers. But that investment capital, to your point, it's just bandwidth, right? At least it gives you the luxury to go build stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's, 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 we talk about it all the time, right? Like it's not about, it's not about raising how much money you raised. It's about, have you built a sustainable, good business for sure? And I think the, the really important point that you made there as well that I'd love people to take away is respecting the problem. If it was that easy of a problem to solve, there's lots of really, really smart people who do work in this industry, who are capable of solving problems, right? They're not just, you know, backwoods hillbillies, right? We need to respect the problem and respect their ability to solve it. And, and I think that that's lost a lot of times. Absolutely. I think those are all great points. Thanks, everybody, for checking out this conversation this afternoon. I certainly appreciate your time. Anshu, thank you for, for sharing some of your time. And, and everybody stay tuned uh, here for the rest of the Freight Tech Venture Summit today and Freight Waves Live at Home starting tomorrow.
Thanks a lot, Ryan, for the great questions, the conversation, and all the time as we talk talking with you. Yeah, I always enjoy it.